0: are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name's Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide episodes three days a week for now, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. Coming up on today's show, we're going to do another installment of the Giants' mailbag. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions on Twitter. Before we jump into it, just a little bit about me. I've been a contributor for the baseball analysis sites Beyond the Box Score and Fangraphs as a Rotographs contributor. I started a Giants podcast called Covecast in 2015 and then began hosting this show prior to the 2019 season. So, jumping right into the mailbag, the first question comes from John, who asks Andrew Benintendi would appear to be a perfect fit for the Giants' present and future needs. Lots of talk about the Red Sox now listening to potential deals for him. Any chance the Giants are talking to them, and who might the Giants have to give up in return? So this is a topical point, because Andrew Benintendi trade discussions are in the news. In fact, there was a report of some executive allegedly saying that they would be shocked if Benintendi wasn't traded by this weekend so there's been a lot of talk about the giants not necessarily rumors linking them to benintendi here but people in the giants universe saying they should go after benintendi and this question from john is more of the same however from my perspective i don't i don't necessarily see him as the strongest of fits for the giants we all know they're looking for a left-handed bat I've been pretty adamant about how I think a left-handed infielder makes more sense. Although we have heard from Zaidi recently that they could go with a lefty infielder or an outfielder. They have that type of roster flexibility where they could go either way. However, there are a lot of left-handed bats available to sign in free agency. There's Jock Peterson, there's Tommy Lastella, there's D.D. Gregorius. I think Listella is the best fit as someone who could play third and second and play in a platoon role where he does really well against lefties, or excuse me, against righties. So Benintendi is a different kind of player here because he's only 26 years old. That's a major factor. But the, the issue I have is that he's only under team control for two seasons. And on top of that, his production has really dipped over the last few years. He was a top prospect, considered one of the best pure hitters in all of baseball coming up through the minor leagues. I mean, considered to have the potential to be one of the best pure hitters in baseball. He's just kind of been too average for me over the course of his career. And defensively, he's not, he doesn't seem to be that good of a defensive player. He's a good base runner. He's got a nice career, three fifty three on base percentage, but for two years and he's he's signed already for this year for just uh six point six million, and then he's arbitration eligible for the last time for twenty twenty two. So he'd probably be due a raise to about, you know, eight and a half, nine million dollars in twenty twenty two. So it's essentially a one year deal for six point six million with a club option for around $9 million for the next year. I just don't think that has that much value, and I don't necessarily see exactly where he fits in on the roster. Yes, they've said that they're open to adding a lefty outfielder, so I suppose you could play like him in left, Dickerson in right, and Yastrzemski in center against a right-handed pitcher, and that would be fine. He certainly could fit in the, with the roster, but why not just sign Jock Peterson to a one year deal instead of Ben I just, I'm not sure that there's as much upside as I would like, particularly when you have to give up something in return as opposed to just paying money for a lefty bat in free agency. So, in terms of what they would have to give up, it wouldn't probably be that much, which is why I'm a little surprised the Red Sox are shopping him here. Because his value is low. He, he only played in 14 games. He was injured in 2020. Had just a 103 average, 128 slugging. The year before that, in a full season, he was only league average offensively. Nice on base percentage, but just not a lot of power. Not very good defense. And just kind of an, a mediocre performance. It reminds me a little bit when I look at these numbers of Joe Panic, With a little more power. There's the, the hit tool and there's some on base, but you're just kind of left wanting more than what he's been able to provide. So I think there is upside beyond what he's been able to do in his career. I just don't think, I mean, unless the cost was really cheap, I just think you can get similar production with, without having to give up prospects. You can just pay money. And I also think a lefty infielder is a better fit. The next question comes from Hagen, who asks, do you think they'll stay the course on roster management, look for cheap diamonds in the rough, while waiting until the vets' big contracts expire and young talent comes up through the system? Now, if you had asked me this a couple years ago, I would probably have said no. But given all the evidence that we have, it's pretty clear what their trends are for signing free agents and or making trades they are not necessarily in on the big names. They don't want to pay. I saw this written uh, in like an ESPN article recently talking about why teams are behaving the way they behave because it's not just the Giants who are doing this, although the Giants are actually among the most active teams in baseball in terms of you know trying to improve their roster. I know that might surprise some people, but what was written was why pay top dollar for these top tier free agents when you might be able to get 80% of the production for 20% of the cost. And that's kind of the way the giants operate is they're trying to get 80% of the production for 20% of the cost. And they've been extremely successful with that. Like look no further than Wilmer Flores, who had a really productive year, but was signed to this super cheap two year, you know, $6.25 million deal with a club option. Look at Kevin Gosman, who was signed for one year, $9 million, yet performed like a frontline starter, you know, not too dissimilar from uh, Garrett Cole, who makes, you know, almost 40 million a year. I don't know exactly what his contract is, but it, you know, the total is over $300 million and the Giants definitely got, you know, 80% of the production for like 2% of the cost. So I would just imagine that they'll continue to behave this way. I know it's a little bit frustrating for fans. But the track record for teams signing big-name free agents isn't particularly good. Like, the Angels and their fans really, really wanted Albert Pujols, but that contract has turned out to be an utter disaster for them. But at the time, everybody wanted this player. Fans were upset when their team didn't sign him you know, on and on, there's tons of examples of this. I know a lot of Giants fans wanted the team to sign Chris Davis, who ultimately signed with the Orioles. And that contract has been an utter disaster from day one. And the Orioles are still paying the price for that. So big name free agents are not necessarily the way to build a winner. And I mean, not only were those contracts bad for the Angels and Orioles, just as a couple examples, the team hasn't one, you know, it it's not like it helped them win anything. So eventually, I do think that they'll make some big moves, but I don't see that happening this off season. The names that are out there aren't the best fits. Trevor Bauer is still a possibility, but I just think it's certainly more likely than not he doesn't end up with the Giants. But again, I mean, Mike Yastrzemski has given them a hundred percent of the value for a fraction of the cost. And he's controllable for like five additional seasons. So would you rather have that or have paid, you know, 300 plus million dollars for Bryce Harper? Stremsey is giving them that same production and he costs nothing. So low cost players, we talked about this recently, enable the Giants to have a surplus value of production over what they're paying. And it makes the team better. So bargain deals do ultimately help the team so long as they're willing to use those savings and invest further in the team. All right, coming up next, more questions and answers. But first, are we ready for some football? The NFL is in full playoff mode with big games coming up this weekend as well. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. means if you put in $100, they're going to give you $50 on top of that. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use on more important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Random example a fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey costs $353.99 at advance, which is a big chain store and only two hundred sixteen seventy nine at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same auto parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, as promised here in the second half of the show, more questions and answers. Thank you so much again to everyone who submitted questions on Twitter. Marquez asks, Today MLB social media predicted the giants make and lose the world series in 2027 and 2029 based off the data and trends of our farm system payroll management and ownership when do you think the giants become a serious world series contender once again so i saw that same thing i thought it was a little bit funny and ridiculous i mean it's who knows what's going to happen 10 years down the road or eight seven eight years down the road. It's just a fun exercise, I guess, but I don't, I certainly don't put a lot of stock into that, but I mean, it's worth pointing out. They're recognizing that the Giants are on the upswing, but it reminds me of all the people who think they're still like five plus years away from being competitive. In the meantime, as I've said repeatedly, the Giants are competitive, pretty competitive right now, and they're 81 and 81 over their last 162 games. But your point is well taken. You're asking, when are they going to be serious World Series contenders? And I definitely wouldn't call them that now. So there's a ton of uncertainty coming up next offseason. The Giants are set to lose a ton of their roster to free agency in Cueto, Posey, Belt, and Crawford, along with Kevin Gosman, Anthony Di Scalfani, Donovan Solano. So there's, I don't know what they're going to do to address all these departures, They're obviously going to have to fill out a roster and they're not going to want just random, you know, minor leaguers who don't, who aren't ready to just step into those roles. So it's hard for me to say, to answer this question, because I don't know how they're going to build out their roster moving forward. But assuming they don't get worse from 2021 to 2022, I would say that by the 2023 season, I would expect them to be. A really good team and serious World Series contenders. But a lot has to happen and it hasn't happened yet. They're going to need prospects to show up and perform. I think by that point, Marco Luciano will have made his debut and hopefully will immediately become an impact player. And there's just going to be a pipeline of talent coming up. And hopefully they've spent some money on some elite talent. But it's hard to say exactly what's going to happen. But if they follow this trend line, I would say they'll they'll be competitive this year. That they may contend for a wild card spot, and then I expect them to build off that the next year, and then by the year after that, I would say they should be firing on all cylinders. Pac Bell Partisan asks, "Who's your least favorite player on the forty man?" So I don't know why, but I really like this question. I, I I assume you mean like who do I think is the worst player, the weakest player on the 40-man and not just personality-wise, who do I dislike the most? I've noticed that their 40-man roster is getting considerably deeper. It's hard to find a weak spot, but I would say that the, the weakest spot belongs to me to Steven Duggar. I know that the old regime thought highly of Duggar, but he just hasn't been able to perform at the major league level and he's You know, To his credit, he seems to be trying to overthrow, overhaul his swing, but it just hasn't seemed to work at all. He's got the tools to be successful as a defense first player, but at this point he is 27 years old. He only has one minor league option remaining. He's got a career 281 on base. He's not been much better against righties than lefties. He actually hasn't been a very good base runner despite his speed. I just don't really like his chances of being successful in the role that he's trying to fill. He's a holdover from the old regime. And really, it's a testament to how the 40-man roster has improved dramatically under Zaidi, because there used to be like 10 plus guys I could look at and say, I don't see a lot of hope for them at the major league level. But now it's hard to find anybody. There's obviously the new guys, but I don't, You know, they're young and new and we haven't even seen them yet in curving Castro, Camilo Duvall, uh, Gregory Santos, possibly deadnail Nunez, the Rule 5 pick. I mean, he's unlikely to succeed. Rule 5 picks often don't succeed. So if I had to give up on someone, I'd probably give up on him before Steven Duggar. And then there's some pitchers like Sean Anderson who could be in the mix there, but I'd probably go with Nunez and, and Duggar. All right. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. I followed my trend of taking a little too long on some questions and not being able to squeeze in as many as I would like. I'll hold on to these questions and they'll be in the mix next time we do a mailbag, which will be at some point next week. So thank you so much for listening. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review in the Apple podcast store. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Caspick. That's K-A-S-P-I-C-K. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. I can't wait to be with you again next week. So until then, we'll see you next time.